Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Cynthia, and this is the Peace of My Mind podcast, P-E-A-C-E. I've been sending out episodes once a month, and last month we talked about the coronavirus and some of the movements that I saw that the Lord was doing uh, in His church. And so uh, we're certainly still dealing with coronavirus and quarantine. This looks like it's going to be an ongoing battle for us. So I, I just hope and pray that you continue to seek out his heart in this season and read the book of Habakkuk. I talked about that last month. Um, like I said, it is three chapters, which is great because I have a short attention span. <laughs> but the sweet thing about the book is it's a written conversation that this man has with the Lord and it's the Lord's response. So we get to be a fly on the wall in this very intimate conversation that he has with God. And that's beautiful. And interestingly enough, I didn't say this last month, but Habakkuk's name means to embrace or wrestle. So there's a gripping of some sort. Uh, it could be a gripping that's, that's wrestling or a gripping that's embracing. And that's exactly what he does in the book. Um, there's an actual a, a shift for him where he, he starts off wrestling through some hard feelings and thoughts, things that were happening in his culture to his people group um, that were unfair, that were hard. It was hardships. It was hard times for him. I mean, I can, we can relate to that today, right? And so he's wrestling through these hardships with the Lord. Um, but then he comes to a place of embrace where he just trusts God's sovereignty and he just hugs onto the goodness of God and, and, and gets anchored in that despite what was happening in his time and culture. And so it's a very encouraging book. I encourage you to read it and also read Psalm 91. That is a pillar, a a, a Psalm pillar for people who are struggling with fear. And so, um, those are the two places I continue to draw from and, and I encourage you to check them out as well. But for this month, I want to talk about the very popular topic called repentance, (laughs) right? So popular repentance, but let's talk about what is repentance, how we repent. What does it look like? Um, Is there any fruit, any benefit to it? Because my association with repentance means like letting go of something or turning away from something. So does that mean that we are getting robbed or that God is withholding good things from us? Um, so we're going to talk about benefits of repenting and is this something that's just one and done necessary for salvation and that's it. You just repent once. Um, or is it something that's ongoingly woven into our walk with the Lord? And I, w- I want to share candidly, vulnerably from my own life and give you examples about how the Lord has used repentance and how it's been an instrumental tool for my maturity and my recovery Um, It's been a huge faith ingredient for me. So what is repentance? Uh, Like I said, it's not a very popular topic. I I can't remember when I last heard that word being said. I mean, when was the last time you heard it? And what what context was it in? Because I, I know there's a lot of associations that immediately come to my mind when I think of the word repentant or the idea of repenting. I like what gotquestions.orgs that that's got gotquestions.org defines uh, or, or says about um, repentance. Let me read it to you. It says, many understand the term repentance to uh, mean a turning away from sin, regretting sin and turning away from it. 
But the Bible actually defines the word repent as to change one's mind. And then the Bible also tells us that true repentance will result in a change of actions, to change one's mind, which results in change of actions. Um, and so this is the, the full picture of repentance. And I remember reading in Luke chapter 13, I remember reading Jesus say, uh, unless you repent, you too all will perish. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> unless you repent, you guys going to perish. Dang, this is a sharp saying. It's an authoritative saying. Um, it's a hard saying. So today, you and I, I want to together press into this hard, this sharp concept, concept of repentance. And um, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, I hope that you know from my voice, from my tone, from my messages, and from my illustrations that, that I love you. I hope that you know that. I hope that I've proved myself to you that I'm safe and um, this is the podcast where I share a piece of my mind, and that's just what it is. It's peace. I want to multiply peace, impart peace. And so hear me when I say, today we're talking about repentance, and I love you. <laughs> and if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, maybe there's something right now in your life that you need to change your mind about. Maybe there's something that you need to change your actions in. But I hope that you know with my track record that when I say you and I um, can confront the very topic of repentance together, that this, that is a good thing that we can step into. Um, we can talk about hard things together as a family, and we can do hard things together as a family. But before I move on, I just want to acknowledge the elephant in the room that in this in the title of this episode, there is no word repentance, nowhere in the title file. <laughs> because then you know what, let's be honest. The people the people that need to repent, they ain't gonna come listen. <laughs> it's not popular. <laughs> One time I heard Joyce Myers um say that she had filmed a seminar and I can't remember what exactly the seminar was about, but it was along the lines of humility, right? And she said that it was, it, it was a dud. Like it just fell flat. Like no one was interested in it. She films DVDs and no one ordered them. And she was just astounded. She was flabbergasted. <laughs> flabbergasted is one of my favorite words. It's like old timey, right? She was just so flabbergasted that this fell flat because she honestly, not because she wanted to sell books and DVDs. She really felt that God put this message on her heart for people to hear. So you know what she did? <laughs> She changed the seminar name instead of how to grow in humility. She changed it to something like how to grow in power. <laughs> and guess what? Then it's, then it started getting popular and people started get ordering and, and people started getting engaged with that seminar. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> look, look, the, the Bible says to be wise as serpents. Okay. And innocent as doves. Um, and when it says be wise as serpents, it doesn't mean like Satan. It just means clever. So be clever, but be harmless. Uh, so she Christian Kung Fu and she, she changed that title. And, uh, I just think that's so great. So I got me thinking, man, if I name my, if I name this episode repentance, nobody going to listen to it. It's just like, Oh, I don't want to hear that. So I'm, I just going to name this title, a piece of my mind, uh, how to prosper. There we go. How to prosper. Uh, and that and it's true. I'm being harmless and innocent as a, as a dove, um, because, uh, we're just going to define 
how uh, we prosper. It's just going to be defined a little bit differently. <laughs> it's a clickbait. Uh-huh. Clickbaited you. And here is how we prosper. This is in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bible, open it up and uh, so you can follow along with me. Mark 10, starting at verse 17, it says, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your questions, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone and honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. And this is so sweet, this verse, verse 21, it says, looking at the man, Jesus is looking at him. He, and then it says, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And then he says, there is still one thing you haven't done. He told them, go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. There goes that prosperity aspect I was telling you about. Then come follow me. And then verse 22 is one of the saddest verses for me. It says, when the man heard this, his face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Man, what a contrast there from 21 to 22. We got verse 21. There's total, complete, genuine love from Jesus. And then verse 22, genuine and total, complete sorrow from the man. Because let's just, I mean, his possessions were possessing him, right? And then verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the, the disciples were astounded. They were flabbergasted. <laughs> and they said, then, in who, then who in the world can be saved? <laughs> what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? Who in the world can be saved? Oh, man. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. All things are possible with God. And then Peter spoke up. Verse 28, you know, I can relate to, P to Peter because he's always giving a piece of his mind too in the scriptures. <laughs> Verse 28, he says, we given up everything to follow you. And Jesus says, yes, you have. <laughs> and I assure you, that everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, they will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. Of course, you know, I love that little addendum that he adds at the end. <laughs> You're going to receive manifold increase and persecution. <laughs> and then he says, and in the world to come. So not only are you going to receive here and now, but in the world to come, that person who gave up everything for my namesake and for the gospel, they're going to inherit eternal life. So what are these scriptures saying? But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. I was reading a commentary that said, that means manifold more, indefinite increase, 
showing the greatness and multitude of the recompense, which is compensation. So you give up and God compensates. And it says um, in the commentary, he who forsakes these earthly things for the sake of Christ receives instead God himself. For to those who forsake all for him, Jesus himself becomes your father, brother, sister, mother, and all these things. He can encompass all that we need. That's how vast, that's how grand, that's how splendid he is. That's how big he is. And through repentance and surrender, these things are the currency, if you will, of the kingdom, making us rich with the abundance of his spirit. A few weeks ago, I had a pretty, what I would call a major failure. And, oh man, at the, the first thing that I want to say is I, I'm so grateful that my struggles look differently today than they did 15, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, I'll tell you what, God is so, he is faithful to complete the work that he started in me and, and, and in you. And we can go from glory to glory. And there is always going to be continued illumination. If you're abiding in the vine, there's always going to be continued illumination, repentance, ongoing sanctification to bring more transformation. That's the truth. And so I would say about 15 years ago, my sinful vulnerabilities then, man, and I've talked about them with you here on this podcast, codependency, sexual failures, crippling insecurity that led to sinful coping mechanisms, addictions, you know, and I have done some hard work. That's something that I'm very proud to say. I have partnered with God to confront those things and to grow in his likeness. And so when I said that a couple of weeks ago, I had a major failure. It has nothing to do with, with those things. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that. Instead, this time when I fell, I intentionally, intentionally, and, and in a disrespectful way, I withdrew relationship from people. And let me tell you something that, that was, um, there's, you know, of course there's details and what that looked like. And, and I'm not going to share that here because that's specifically with this one person, a couple people actually, <laughs> and I've already repented to them. Um, but just to give you the idea, <laughs> God is a very relational God. He, everything he does is about restoring relationship, about bringing community, bringing bonds, bringing people together. It's about reconciliation. He, our God is a, a relationally driven God. And so a couple of weeks ago, when I withdrew from relationship in a very dramatic and disrespectful way, I know that that broke his heart because I know he's a very relational God. You know, I was reading in Leviticus one time, you know, that's like a hard book to sift through. <laughs> reading through Leviticus is, it's like digging through rocks with all those instructions and cleansings and how you're going to sacrifice. And it's just like, he shall lay one hand on the head of the goat and the priest shall take this offering and place the fat on this altar. And I mean, it's just like, look at this. It's just bring bread. And at this same time, I mean, it's just a hard book to sift through. Whether that was a ram or a goat or bread or a bird. But then I remember Um, reading it. uh, After each set of instructions, it says that the offering, that the burnt offering, that the sacrifice is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Leviticus 3.16, and the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering with a pleasing aroma. 
Oh, also in that verse, it says, all fat is the Lord's. All right. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. My fat is yours. Leviticus 3.16. If any if anybody wants to come at you one day talking about you, you gain weight, you'd be like, mm, off my all my fat is the Lord's. Leviticus 3.16 says so. Leviticus 1.9. But the entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Gosh, what a weird... <laughs> What a what in the world is the Lord thinking, <laughs> right? That's a that's a peculiar thing to say. That this burnt offering, that these entrails, they then when they get burned, that that smells good to you. I remember thinking that, and like I was I was telling the Lord, I was like Lord, you're weird. And you know what? Whenever I think that God is weird or unfair or whatever else, if I think He's being shady, uh, I turn to Him. And I need him to set his character right in my eyes. Because you know what? Satan does everything in his power to get us to defame the character of God in our hearts, to get us to doubt his goodness and his good purpose towards us. And the Bible says there is no shadow of turning in the Lord. He does not change. He's the same yesterday and today. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he is full of goodness, justice, mercy, and peace. There is no shadiness about him. So if there's something that he says in the Bible that we think is weird or off or, um, it's, we got to check our own hearts. It's our own hearts, not comprehending, not wrapping itself around the vast goodness of his character. And so I remember reading these Leviticus, um, instructions and how each offering was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And I was thinking, dang, Lord, you're talking about all these burnt offerings being pleasing to you, smelling good to you. That sounds weird. Why? Why why would you why would you write that in there? Why does it smell sweet to you? And he said to me, I remember this. He said, anytime relationship is restored with me, it is a sweet thing. Because you guys, you know what? You know what the offerings were for? They were to make atonements to bring sinful people back into right relationship with a holy God. At the very fabric of how God moves, the movements of God is is about relationship. It's about restoring. His mission is about bringing people back to himself. It's a gathering up of all his family and bringing us together. And this smells sweet to him. This is pleasant to his heart. So a couple of weeks ago, and again, I want to go on record to say, this was not a sexual failure. This was not scandalous. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He's preserved me and kept in me and may he continue to do so. This was just something interpersonal in my relationships, but I knew I broke God's heart and I knew, um, I needed to repent. I knew I had to come correct. And for me, repentance is not just a one-time thing. It wasn't the one thing I needed to do that was necessary for salvation. And then that's it. Repentance to me is ongoing. And, and because our relationships are ongoing, they're active and we grow and we live together and we, we're going to fall and make mistakes. And there's going to be times where you and I have to change our mind about things, that we have to change our behavior to align with the mind change. And the example that the Lord uses to illustrate this point is at the Last Supper when he's washing the disciples' feet. And Peter says to him, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. Peter always got something to say. He's always giving people a piece of his mind, right? 
And Jesus answers Peter and says, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. Ooh, right? So then Simon Peter is just like, well, then wash all of me. <laughs> Not just my feet, Lord, I need the whole thing. <laughs> and Jesus says, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean. So the, the concept there is he who is bathed, coming to the Lord initially with our foundational repentance is necessary for us, our salvation. That's the bath. You know, we are washed. But along the way, we're, as we walk with Jesus, our feet are going to get dirty. We're going to need Jesus to wash our feet. Yesterday, I had a Zoom meeting with my pastor from Alabama. He was my pastor when I lived there, and I still consider him a spiritual mentor today. He is a part of Brian and I's life, and I'm really grateful for him. But yesterday when I talked to him, I said, Kevin, you are one of my favorite people to repent to. <laughs> I know that sounds so funny. Isn't this kingdom life so backwards? It's like absurdly, absurdly beautiful, but it's absurd. <laughs> I said, Kevin, you are my favorite person to repent to because I remember when I f first repented to him in Alabama I had just fallen into sexual sin. I was such a mess. And that wasn't the first time I had fallen into sexual sin. The first time, actually, I fell into sexual sin. I was a part of a ministry, and I told them I came clean. Because one of the things that I've always prayed for is that the Lord, if I have sin, that the Lord would just bring deep conviction to me, that He would give me unrest. And so I came clean to the leadership, and the result of that was they slandered me. They gossiped about me behind my back. They told my friends not to hang out with me because, quote unquote, I'm, I could seduce them. And it just was really hurtful experience. And so I was broken and I came clean and it just did not go well. And I knew in my heart that they were judging me. And I knew in my heart that that wasn't his heart towards me in my repentance, but it still was a very hurtful experience. So when I fell into sexual sin the second time, <laughs> I was a part of Kevin's ministry, Kevin Beasley, that's his name. And he had a house church called Converge Auburn. It was in Auburn, Alabama. And I was a part of his ministry and fell into sexual sin that time again. And um, not with anyone in the ministry, but I still needed, I still felt like right when it happened, I still felt like I need to, I need to confess to Pastor Kevin. And that was huge for me because the last time I confessed, uh, it came back to bite me, <laughs> but I wanted to be obedient because I love Jesus and I couldn't hold this sin, this burden of sin on my own. So I called him and I said, I needed to talk to him and he comes over to my apartment and he, here's what's so par powerful about this scene in my story is the only time men came to my apartment in those specific instances was to take something from me. And the last man that was in my apartment was able to indulge himself in me and then leave with no considerations for my heart and for my boundaries. And so here comes Kevin coming up to my door and I'm shaking because here's this man of God and he's coming not to take anything from me, but to impart forgiveness. And there's a godly man coming to my door. He's this godly man coming to my door and God was redeeming and sanctifying men in my eyes again. You know, I, I told Kevin, I said, Ke Ke Pastor Kevin, I had sex <laughs> with so-and-so and I'm so sorry. And I know you're going to kick me out of Converge. And he looked me in the eye and said, 
this is so cheesy now that I say it out loud, but right then it was exactly what I needed to hear. He said, I don't expect perfect people in Converge, Cynthia. I want passionate people and I know you are passionate about Jesus. And even that terminology, passionate, that's exactly the word that he used. That's a romantic term, right? It could be sensual, right? And here it is in the context of redemption and holiness and repentance done right in a, in a healthy way with holy people, it will bring healing. And that's exactly what happened that day when Pastor Kevin came over, he heard my confession and he offered me grace and something in me healed. And that was very powerful. And I'm so grateful. So yesterday I Zoom called with Kevin and I said, Kevin, you're my favorite person to repent to. And I told him how I messed up and he prayed for me on Zoom And of course, I'm not going to come on here and preach to you something that I myself haven't walked through. So repentance is a part of my life even up to yesterday. (laughs) So let's recap. Repentance gives us God himself for relationship. It brings us back into connection with him, with others. And repentance also brings us eternal life. We get manifold here and now, but also in the life to come. And repentance isn't a one-time thing. It's a part of the sanctification process. This past week, a godly man died. His name was Sire Rogers. And the Lord used him in my healing process as well. I even got to meet him several times. The ministry that I worked for in Portland uh, held a conference, and he was the main speaker. And when was I was able to meet with him and spend some time with him. This week, he died from cancer. And if you know me, I mean, you guys, you know, I don't idolize no man. No one is a superstar to me. The least is important. The important is least. (laughs) But, and I still honor the great cloud of witnesses. I respect those who are walking against the very strong current to pursue God and holiness. And Cy Rogers was a very gifted speaker. And I want to play a clip uh, for you in which he talks about repentance. Finally, as I conclude this little idea where I talked about the word sin, let me conclude with the idea of repent. You ever heard that word repent? Repent. I don't think the Lord said it that way. I think it was more invitational. Repent. Be penitent again in a posture of humility, acknowledging need. The actual Hebrew definition of the word repent is much better, I think, than the Greek word. The Greek word is metanoia, and it means to change direction. Well, that's a useful thing. If you're over drinking, do better. If you're gambling away your money, stop and reconsider. If you've been sleeping around, don't do it anymore to protect yourself and protect other people too. So we can repent, that is, in the Greek sense, we can do a turnabout, we can do a metanoia. But that's not the same as repentance in Hebrew. Because you know what? Self-improvement can improve your life in the short term, and that's a useful thing, but you can still go to hell. Here's the repentance I see in the Hebrew concept. In Hebrew, the word repentance also means three things. Number one, you wake up and you come to your senses. And then because you've awakened and come to your senses, you withdraw from the path you've been on. But you don't just take a new path, any old path. You're not just changing career or lifestyle. 
The Bible makes the point with the Hebrew concept of repentance that you take the one path back home to your father and everything he has waiting for you. As is always the case with God, repentance isn't behavioral modification. It's relational restoration. And I would ask you tonight, are you needing to come home? I had a person write to me in Los Angeles after hearing me speak, and he said, I've been a pastor's kid, and I walked away from God. And I've been off in sin, and it hasn't satisfied me like I thought it would. What would you tell me to do? And as a daddy myself, I said to him, I would tell you to come home. I would move heaven and earth to help my kid if she would just come to me. But to think she's bad and I am mad and she would run away would break my heart and would tell me she doesn't really understand my love. I believe, I feel it, that God is moving to bring many people back home to him. I feel that now more than ever. With this whole coronavirus crisis thing that we are going through, we are being faced with our mortality, our frailty, and we're thinking a lot more than we ever have about our eternal future. What's going to happen when you die? You find yourself thinking about Jesus a lot more than you ever have, and you feel a stirring in your heart to come home to him. You want to know him. You want to devote more time to be in relationship with him. Don't quench the work that he's stirring up in your heart. Lean into it, especially now during this virus pandemic. He's put the whole world on pause for a minute just to get your attention. All of the white noise of the world has been turned down. And so I just want to encourage you to tune into his heart. And maybe some of you guys that are listening, maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but you know a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. And you know, a little spot, a little fox is the one that spoils the whole vine. You know that there's something right now in your life that you need to change your mind about. Maybe you have a hidden sin. Maybe you have an addiction. But I just want to encourage you, who is safe and holy in your life that you can share with? Confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Do you need your feet washed? What do you need to repent of? What do you need to let go so that you can be closer to Jesus if you're listening to the sound of my voice and God is bringing up something in you, will you be obedient to deal with whatever it is that's burning on your heart right now? There is so much more beautiful absurdities to unpack about this topic of repentance where submission brings gain and godliness. <laughs> but I want to stop right here and tell you that I love you and I'm praying for you. Pray for me. We can do hard things together as a family. And until next time, I am Cynthia Beaudry, and this has been A Peace of My Mind, P-E-A-C-E. God bless you.